Coming up is week five of our six weeks of serious soft skills strategy, where we'll be looking at how employers can integrate and incorporate soft skills into a job search to find better candidates. All that and more coming up in a few seconds. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, where we help you unleash the power of soft skills. Here are your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, Episode 30. I'm Bob Graham, and with me, as always, is Dr. Tobin Porterfield. For you newcomers, welcome, and let me set the stage a little bit. We have uncovered through our research a list of 55 soft skills, and through our teaching of college students and our work in various industries, and, well, our keen eye on them, we are uncovering in each podcast episode what they mean and why they matter. And so that brings us to our six weeks of serious soft skills strategy, where we're in week five this week. So you can go back, if you want, to episode 26, where we talk about the 55 soft skills and our new book. You can go to episode 27, where we talk about soft skills and job searches in general. And episode 28, we give tips for adding soft skills to your cover letter and resume. In fact, Toby, I didn't tell you this, but someone told me that was really valuable to her. And in episode 29, we give you tips on adding soft skills into the job interview. So that brings us to this week, where we're going to talk about uh, interviewing and the job hiring process from the interviewer's perspective. Now, I know you may be saying, hey, I don't really care about the interviewer's perspective because I'm just looking for a job. But the fact of the matter is, you can learn a lot by knowing what the other side is trying to accomplish. And of course, we know anyone who's doing hiring knows that hiring the right candidate is critical to your organization's success. And hiring the wrong candidate can hurt productivity, morale, and cripple your leadership. So Toby, with that context, can you sort of talk to us in general about how soft skills play a role in that process for an interviewer or a company or organization looking to hire someone? I can, uh, because as you, I've been involved in many interviews as both the interviewer and the interviewee, and um, it is a tough balance. I think it's almost too easy sometimes as the interviewer to get caught up in the technical questions and to really almost turn it into a uh, a dissertation, uh, final oral dissertation, you know, well, tell me about thermodynamics and how they apply it. And um while while I'm hiring for a position, I do want to validate the technical skills of the person um, uh, just to make sure that there's not some inconsistency in the resume where they, they might say, uh, oh, yes, I have a, a strong working knowledge of Microsoft Excel. Um, I could go through the list and say, well, tell me, you know, do you use VLOOKUP? How do you, have you used HLOOKUP? Have you used, you know, I can go through all the functions. And, Pivot and tables. Sh- and say yes. Oh, I see that. But um, what I would, as a as a an interviewer, what I'd really rather do is is say, well, tell me about how you used Excel um, to you know address problems in your prior job, and and hoping then that that they won't just launch into list and say, well, I've had training on this, I've training on that. I want to hear. Well, my boss came to me and they needed a spreadsheet that would do this and this and this. So I use this function and that function, and I downloaded data from this. So tell me that story, because now not only do I know you can use the functions, but I also know that you can bring those functions together and actually use them in some meaningful way. 
So you're talking about the idea that you and I have been advocating in almost all of our uh, publications from our book to research that it's really the blending of soft skills with technical skills that puts you in an advantage. And this is a place where an employer can really see if that potential employee is able to blend those soft skills with the technical skills. And I think that's the argument that I would make if I was really an informed interviewer. Um, it's not enough for that person to, to, they could actually know all of the Excel functions. If they can't move them into action, they really don't do me any good. And so while in a, it's hard in a job description sometimes to write all that out, I can specify technical skills that I want. Um, and I can I can hint toward it. I can say, well, I want experience in using these tools to problem solve. But I'm going to need in that interview process that interviewee to to help articulate that to really be able to help me understand how they have used it. What was that experience like? Uh, do they really the experience isn't oh I made a spreadsheet and I used these twelve functions. The experience is gathering the information. Uh, transition transferring that information into a working spreadsheet and then delivering it to the client and having the client accept it so and and, and as you just said it's that technical skills and then the soft skills that make them actionable and make them usable in the workplace and i think as an interviewer we really have to figure out how do we how do we draw that out i hate that when i when i'm interviewing and i ask one of those open-ended questions and i get the blank look and we that, talked uh, we talked in the last episode about how you can avoid that blank look if you're the interviewee in terms of look, knowing what things might come up. I also think for the interviewer, wouldn't it make sense that they sort of script a little this, of this in the job posting in terms of saying, instead of saying five years of experience in Excel, five years or dem demonstrated experience in Excel, which to me as an interviewee would mean that when, when we get to the interview, they're going to ask me to talk about that demonstrated experience, not just, yeah, I've done it for five years, but here's how I did it. And this is how it helped one or more organizations achieve greater results, which is ultimately when you say, Toby, what the employer is really looking for is, how can this person help us achieve better results than we're achieving right now? Definitely. We're looking for that right fit. Um, and as an interviewer, and I, I, we talked in the prior podcast about the standard interview questions versus the open-ended. Um, I still find that uh, when we're making these decisions, we want to be able to quantify things. So uh, often uh, the, the committee and I will get together and we will put together that list of standard questions. We do try to keep them short uh, in hopes that people will, the interviewees will articulate and we'll have time to discuss it. I can't, I can't have 20 questions in a, in a 30 or even a 45 minute interview, but maybe there's five to eight key questions because when it's all over, I do want to be able to compare these candidates. Um, you know, well, could they speak to teamwork? Uh, what did they say about their experience with this um, problem solving and so forth? So we'd want questions geared around that. And, and at times I do really honestly need to get through all those standard questions, because at the end, when we go to compare these people and I say, oh, um, candidate X, boy, we got into this lengthy discussion and we didn't end up covering all my other questions. There's a chance the committee's going to say, well, then I guess we can't consider that. 
So we really have to be careful where we uh, balance out that open-ended question where there's time for discussion, but at the same time, if there's key questions that need to be answered that we get through those. I've appreciated times in the past where the uh, committee actually provided the questions uh, the day of the interview, not way in advance, so I've got you know three weeks to prep, but just so I had an idea whether they had eight questions or 20 questions, um, so I could be somewhat prepared. And then we both made sure things were covered. So as an interviewer, you need to decide strategically, uh, do you want to share those the, the, the foundational questions in advance or not? Uh, what's your experience with that, Bob? I have never had the questions given to me in advance, and I hope I never do because that would just cause me a sleepless night or a stressful day. I, I actually like the game of this. I, I've got to tell you, interviewing is one of my favorite things, and I'm in it to win it. I, I, it's funny. I talk to students about this, and I say, if you're not in it to win it, you're probably not going to win it. Let me shift gears a little bit, Toby, to the idea that if I'm an employer, aren't there other ways that I can uh, qualify someone's technical skills so that I can allocate more interview time to these soft skills? Certainly. Uh, and actually, I'll let, you, I'll let you take some of that, Bob. But um, certainly a lot of what we ask for is encompassed when we say, you know, we want a degree, we want X years of experience. Um, that, though, can be a little bit, um, uh, what, what do we what do used to say, you know, when you go to your doctor, uh, half of the doctors that graduate from medical school were in the bottom half of their class. Right. Do you want them? Because they got the same degree as the rest of them. Who do you want working on you? Um, so there, I think we do have to unwrap that some, but a lot of that is articulated through credentials, degrees, companies they've worked at, uh, letters of recommendation. So we need to take all that into, into account. Um, but at the same time, I, I see that all the time where someone will say, especially just because of the world I work in, between statistics and Excel, uh, people will say, oh, I have, a, I have a working knowledge of SPSS or SAS or all, SAS, all these other programs. And then I have to question, like, can you really use them? And, and that's where I, I do feel like I do need to ask some questions about how have you applied them and so forth. But you're right. We don't, I don't want to consume the interview with checking off your qualifications. I want to know what you can do for me. Right. Well, Toby, that's, I think that's really critical, and there are ways to go at that. And I think your questions that you were asking, you know, how have you used Excel to benefit your company or organization is one way to do both of those things at one time. But also, I think one thing I'd add to your list is you can also check with the references in terms of asking them. You know, this person said that they are really good at uh, making cold calls. Did you experience that? How many cold calls did this person make for you? And sort of checking those things that are a little grayer. Well, with that, Toby, uh, I think we should probably take a brief break where we can uh, tell people once again about our new book. So here comes information about our new book, and we'll be back shortly. Hey, Bob Graham here. Our new ebook, The 55 Soft Skills That Guide Employee and Organizational Success, is out. This ebook lists all 55 soft skills that employees and employers are using their organizations are working to harness for greater productivity and innovation. And we give examples of how they're using them in the workplaces. It's a great springboard for your career and for your organization. The ebook retails for $4.99. Because you are a loyal listener of the Serious Soft Skills podcast, we're going to make it free. 
Just use coupon code six weeks when you order it at SeriousSoftSkills.com, and it's free for you. That's right. You can download the 55 Soft Skills That Guide Employee and Organizational Success for free in the time it takes to listen so to the rest back, of this Bob, podcast. Don't delay because this coupon code won't last forever. This is our way of showing our commitment to your success in 2018. So download it now. All right. Welcome back. We've been talking about the interviewer's perspective and actually um, taking that role of the person leading and having to, to drive that selection process. So it's been a little bit of a different perspective for us uh, today. Um, Bob, as we're coming back in, how about if we kind of bring this together some and say, okay, now if you were um, coaching an interviewer and, and preparing them to lead this effort, what are some of those kind of key elements? What are the key takeaways that you'd say, hey, these are these are kind of the things you should follow in order to really have a successful selection process? One the first thing would be to really know what you're looking for. And I know that sounds really silly, but I will tell you, I've been on interview committees and I've been on interviews where I've been the first one to be interviewed. And it's pretty clear that the employer is going on a fishing expedition. And I've also been the last interviewee where they are laser focused on exactly what they're looking for. I think the more you can be focused at the beginning, the better it's going to be. I also think by that logic, candidates at the end are probably going to fare better than candidates at the beginning. Hint, hint, if you're going, if you have opportunities to be interviewed, I would tell you be at the end. Uh, ideally the last. So if you can ask the committee, hey, what's your last date? Oh, I'd love to take uh, a slot that last date. That can help you. So that tells you how, how much importance I put on that. Second thing is I'm a real believer in having standard questions that you ask every candidate so that you can juggle apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Because if you talk to someone for 20 minutes about being a uh, sailing buddy at St. Mary's College of Maryland for two summers, but you don't talk about what they can do for you, it's awfully hard to compare that to a person who talked about what they can bring to your organization. So standard questions tend to help you stay within time constraints and help you have comparable answers. I also like the idea of a rubric, and maybe it's the educator in me that likes having a you know, taking what's unquantifiable and at least having a metric to use for it. So it can be as simple as, um, you know, uh, responsive to questions, rating them one to five. Uh, uh, it could be each question you could rate them one to five. So if you're asking standard questions, you rate people on a five scale. And so someone who gets all fives presumably would do better than a person who got some threes. This also, if you're trying to engage in more, a more diverse population that you're interviewing and potentially hiring, if you have an HR department, they will be very happy if you have rubrics and standard questions because it helps you uh, make, make sure that you're not using the biases that you have. We all have unintended biases, and this helps keep them at the bottom more so than any other way. One of the other things I would say is, don't be so married to your questions that you can't alter them in the sense that not not ask them. But if the person clearly asked uh, or answered question five in their interview, when you ask question two, don't ask them question five again. That is, you know, just showing the person you're interviewing that you are beholden to this list. 
when they clearly covered it. And I would say, be aware that that possibility exists, that someone might ask, actually answer four of your questions with one response. And that's not a bad thing. That actually shows that this person's thought about the job a bit and they are serious about it and they did their homework. And then the other thing I would say is, as much as we said in the prior episodes, make this a discussion, as an interviewer, make it a discussion. If it's a really formal test situation, it's not going to feel comfortable and you're not going to get a feel for the person's personality. The other thing I will tell you, and that, that you said five, I'm on six, but I'll give you the sixth one. When I was a newspaper reporter, it was fascinating to me how often after I closed my notebook, put away my pen, people started to give me the real news. It was like they, they didn't think I was paying attention anymore. So I closed the notebook, put away my pen, put the notebook in my pocket, and they would start going, all right, I'm glad that's over. So here's what's really going on. I would encourage interviewers to get to that place, to walk the person out of the building and see how they interact with other people during that walk. Give them an opportunity to see other people and just get a feel for that person. If they can't carry a simple discussion with you when the interview is, quote, technically over, that's a sign. That's a sign that this person may not have really strong soft skills. They should be able to have a discussion. And if the interviewee notices in an interview in your office that your son's photo is up there and he won a fishing award or he's got a big fish and the person asks you about that fish, be excited that the person is paying attention. And, and have a brief discussion. Oh, yeah, that's my son, John. And John won a fishing award three years ago. Now he's at Duke. Okay, great. And then go on with the interview. Don't dismiss it. I was in one interview where the person said, I'm sorry, we're not here to talk about my personal life. We're here to talk about a job. I'm sorry, the two do intersect. And so you, you want to make sure that you don't put on that, I'm so serious, I can't, ha I can't be a human face. And so I think those are some of my suggestions. Do you have any to add, Toby, or did I cover them all perfectly? Oh, perfectly, as always, Bob. Uh, no, I think, I think we, we definitely have our different styles on it, but I think we've gotten to the kind of the heart of the matter is that we really, we're looking for success factors when we're interviewing people. And, and part of that is their fit with the organization. And a big part of their fit is going to be that social uh, and soft skill side. And we've got to somehow draw that out through the interview process that we can say, okay, I'm comfortable hiring this person because they're going to fit fine with our organization and, and, and somehow be able to evaluate that. It's uh, not, certainly the rubric's a great way to go, uh, especially when I'm interviewing multiple people. Uh, simple rating, like when they answer that question about, uh, tell me a time when you dealt with conflict uh, in a team, how did you resolve it? I really don't want to write down every answer, every, every word they say. Uh, I love that what you said. I said I'd, I'd like to just at the end listen to what they say and say, "Oh, was that a four, or was that a three, or was that a five? That's all I need to know. And I've seen people in interviews literally take dictation, you know, just yes. writing down every word. I was like, "Hold it!" And they're not paying attention to the person they're interviewing. They're looking down at their pad, writing every word. And it's like I love that that you know I could just write a four or a five down, and maybe a couple keywords, volleyball or something. And Toby, some people will criticize that idea of a rubric. Well, if I've got a committee of four, what if you give this person a five and I only give them a three? What I've found is 
When you aggregate all the scores, people have their own system. So your threes might be my fives. But as long as I'm consistent, a five is a five to me and your three is a three to you, it works itself out in the end. And I think with that, Toby, we should probably close this week's episode um, and talk about next week. Next week is going to be our final week. Can you believe it, Toby, of our six weeks of serious soft skills strategy where we're going to dig just a bit deeper into the soft skills from the hiring perspective. And so let me also remind you, don't forget to download your copy of our ebook, The 55 Soft Skills That, Di- that Guide Employee and Organizational Success. We gave you that coupon code earlier in the episode, and don't, make sure you use that. That coupon code isn't going to last forever, so get in there and get that now. And with that, Toby, it's, it's uh, the end. So I get to say, until next time, good day. Thanks for listening. And of course, good soft skills. You've been listening to Serious Soft Skills with your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. If you like what you hear, then take a moment to review us on iTunes. Looking for more insights on soft skills? Then check out our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, for blog posts, newsletters, and other resources. And look for a new episode of Serious Soft Skills every Wednesday.